Hey everyone and welcome to another Top 10. I figured this one was more fitting, seeing as the Emperor is set to not only return, but play a major part of Episode 9. I thought I'd go over some of the history of the character both within canon and in Legends, which gets pretty crazy and cool. I'm even going to throw some behind the scenes stuff in there too. So without further ado, I give you 10 compelling, or at least hopefully, facts about Emperor Palpatine. Starting in at number 1. Palpatine is Anakin's father. When George Lucas was crafting the earlier drafts of Revenge of the Sith, he wanted Anakin's fall to the dark side to mirror the opposite path Luke took in the original trilogy, instead of the ambiguity and controversy of his virgin birth that we got in the final film. Lucas intended to reveal that Palpatine, using the knowledge he had learned from Darth Plagueis to manipulate the Force and create life, had conceived Anakin with the dark side. Shmi Skywalker had been so chosen by the Sith to host the perfect being. In essence, Darth Sidious was Anakin's father. So where Luke had refused to join his father in the dark side, and had in fact ultimately succeeded in bringing him to light, to mirror that, it was the revelation that would push Anakin to join Palpatine, to join his father in the dark side. But in the end, Lucas favored the ambiguity of his origins and instead made it Anakin's love for his wife as what drove him fully to join the Sith. However, in the original Revenge of the Sith script, it is written that Palpatine even reveals to Anakin that he is something like his father. Now, in the new canon comic series of Darth Vader, when Vader attempts to save Padme through the dark side, there is a scene which hints strongly, and I mean very strongly, that Palpatine is indeed responsible for his creation. Maybe they'll reveal more in Episode 9 and in the future. Number 2. His first kill was accidental. Strange as it might be to picture, Palpatine and his youth had some similarities to Anakin, as they both had a love for speed or racing. Our favorite cowled villain used to be a rebellious teenager with a hot rod. Before he ever met Darth Plagueis and began his Sith training, the future Emperor of the Galaxy crashed a speeder that he was piloting and accidentally killed two pedestrians as a result. Normally, an incident like that, if negligence was determined to be the cause, would have involved jail time and would probably mark the end of any political aspirations that young Palpatine might have had. However, being his family was incredibly wealthy and politically powerful, they were able to make this whole thing just go away and protect Palpatine, which was probably one of the lessons the future Sith took to heart. Morals didn't matter. All that mattered was wealth and power. Number three, he had a plan B for his own death. Ian McDermott, the actor who portrays Palpatine, had stated that he and Lucas have had multiple conversations about the Emperor's fate after Return of the Jedi. And according to McDermott, the Star Wars creator insisted that Palpatine died on the second Death Star. Whether Lucas was being truthful or not, with the trailers to Rise of Skywalker, we now know that that's no longer to be the case. In the old Legends material, the Emperor was brought back as a clone, but in the new canon, even before the upcoming movie, as was revealed in the Aftermath trilogy books, the Emperor had a contingency plan after his death. In order to ensure that the Empire and its enemies did not outlive him, should he ever perish, after the Battle of Endor, the evil monarch had arranged for an AI program activate and communicate with key Imperial personnel, through droids wearing red robes and projecting holograms of Palpatine's face. Now, through these droids, he activated Operation Cinder, which ordered Imperial forces to use specialized satellites to target various worlds loyal to the Empire, including Palpatine's home planet of Naboo, and attempted to destroy them. He wanted to purge the Empire of what he saw as its weakness. That's why he arranged to have the remains of the Empire and its foes come to the planet Jakku. The idea was for the weakest fighters to be destroyed along with the planet, 
leaving only the strongest left to rule a new empire. Simultaneously, while the emperor had arranged for this scourged earth approach, there was another part of his contingency plan being carried out in the unknown regions. He had sent many of his forces into this unexplored section of the galaxy to secretly rebuild the empire. It was presumed that this is what led to the formation of the First Order, but with the new film, it looks like the First Order is just as surprised to see Palpatine as the resistance. Number four, he was not originally a Sith. There is a certain myth out there that George Lucas had the whole saga figured out from the get-go, before he started filming. In reality, he had a notion and a vision of what he wanted from Star Wars, but the details were more vague. Now, as I've shown you in previous videos that went over some various depths of rough drafts that George had for the films, you guys got to see this. Originally, the Emperor was just a corrupt politician who Lucas modeled after previous presidents, he wasn't a Sith. When it occurred to George sometime between the release of A New Hope and pre-production on The Empire Strikes Back that Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader should be the same person, that is when he began to develop the Emperor's backstory just a little bit more. Vader's fall to the dark side took on a greater importance, and so George reconceived the Emperor into a Sith who rose to power in part because he had been able to seduce Anakin to the dark side. These were the very concepts that would be blueprints for the sequels. But yeah, the next time you watch episode 4, just keep in mind that Vader isn't Anakin at this point. Obi-Wan didn't lie, and the Emperor isn't a Sith. He was more like a puppet that Grand Moff Tarkin had manipulated into disbanding the Senate, leaving the head of the Death Star as the ultimate power in the universe, though Vader might have protested that. Number 5. In Episode 1, he was actually the Apprentice. Now, this may or may not be true anymore, but in Legends, when the events of the first prequel movie takes place, Sidious's master, Darth Plagueis, is still very much alive. He even actually makes a strong attempt to go and meet little Anakin, going so far as speaking to Padme's handmaidens. I've made a video on that, so you can check that out as well. This would make Naboo's esteemed senator, Palpatine, his apprentice. So, what about Darth Maul? Well, his existence was a clear violation of the Rule of Two, a violation Plagueis tolerated, as the Zabrak was trained more to be a Sith assassin than a true master of the dark side. But, of course, he's still a Sith. Now, this kind of raises the question as to whether Maul was ever intended to be a true Sith Lord or not. Even if he had killed both Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, would Sidious have trained him to be the actual heir of the Order? If it turns out that both Palpatine and Plagueis are behind the creation of Anakin, then clearly the Sith assassin was always just meant to be a means to an end. Regardless, probably around the same time that Duel of the Fates was taking place in the film, across the galaxy on Coruscant, Sidious managed to kill his master in his sleep, taking on the mantle of Dark Lord, just as he was about to lose Maul to Obi-Wan's lucky strike. So the Sith went from three to one very quickly. Number six, the first actor to play the Emperor was actually a monkey. During the production of The Empire Strikes Back, Lucas, his director, and the writer faced an interesting challenge. No one had ever seen Darth Vader without his mask on. So what did the face of a Sith actually look like? They determined that the Emperor should be mysterious and creepy. So the production team came up with an innovative, if slightly unusual solution to how they would design the character. They filmed an older actress in heavy makeup and superimposed the eyes of a chimpanzee over her. The combination of the aged woman and the primate eyes gave the figure an unnatural and haunting feel. Added to that, the vocal talents of Clive Reville, who dubbed the Emperor in his first scene, and Lucasfilm had managed to Frankenstein together their first unmasked Sith Lord. Number seven. 
he turned the Jedi Temple into his palace. Following Order 66, Palpatine decided to renovate the former stronghold of his enemies into his own personal palace. This allowed him to have direct access to the Jedi archives, where all their history and knowledge was stored. Knowledge the Dark Lord could then do with what he pleased. Perhaps he also chose the temple because of the Jedi's hubris. The light side champions had long ago selected the specific site to be the center of their power because it had been the location of an ancient Sith shrine. Yeah, they built the temple around the shrine to hide or neutralize the dark side energy that swirled around it. But ultimately, it had been that very shrine's dark side energy that Palpatine had manipulated to aid him in clouding the visions of the Jedi which severely diminished their ability to see the future, and they were therefore unable to foresee the devastating outcome of the Clone Wars and their own destruction at the hands of the Sith. Number 8. His scarred face might have been his true appearance all along. Now, this one is a bit tough to actually debunk, because in some books it says it was his true face all along, and in other books it says it was just his bones and face getting melted and deformed from the lightning. So. Here's the information that we have. In Revenge of the Sith, when Mace Windu reflected the Chancellor's lightning back at him, his face melted, becoming disfigured and scarred, or did it? There are some who argue, including the man who plays the galactic tyrant himself, Ian McDermott, that the duel only revealed Palpatine's true face. The Dark Lord had used the Force all along to hide his true, deformed veneer beneath an illusion of a friendly appearance. He chose to let the disguise drop during his confrontation with Mace Windu, so he could finally face the Jedi in his true form, as the time for the Sith to hide was truly and finally over. But also, so he could use the scars as proof of the Jedi's attempted assassination on him, and gain the galaxy's sympathy to justify his actions against their order. Now see, I really like to believe the fact that Palpatine's lightning was reflected back onto him, and it melted his bones and his face, and disfigured him. Lightning alone, it wasn't his actual face that looked like this originally. However, I kind of also buy into this theory, because if that's the case with the lightning, then why did his fingernails turn all dirty and longer? Why did his teeth become so decayed? I mean, is that something that happens with lightning? You get rotten teeth and dirty fingernails? Perhaps the dirty fingernails were just dead fingernails, but then they would have fallen off. So. There are a lot of things that we can, you know, go with or against this theory. Now, people in addition point out as evidence for this argument that when the Emperor blasted Luke with his Force Lightning, the young Jedi suffered in pain, but his face wasn't mutilated. The corruption of the Dark Side had also been known to misshape the physical features of its practitioners, and in Legends, before Episode 3 was ever released, that was the common belief as to what had caused the Emperor's scars. So. I'm gonna leave the answer of this one to you guys. What do you think? Number nine, his power of prediction was unmatched. Difficult to see, always in motion, the future is. This was the sage insight of Grand Master Yoda to Luke Skywalker. What he meant was that even though a Jedi can receive visions of the future, it is not a future set in stone. The future is malleable, Events can be altered or transpired differently than what was initially revealed in the Force vision. Yoda's own powers of prediction was matched by very few, and he realized how unreliable it could be. But what about Palpatine? He was able to hide in plain sight of the Jedi. He engineered a war between the Republic and the Separatists, and was secretly the head of both organizations. And he was able to turn the Jedi's own chosen one 
against them. Now, there is no doubt that part of his success can be contributed to the thousand years of Sith planning and his own shrewd intelligence. However, what can't be ignored either was Palpatine's astonishing ability to not only predict the future, but also to influence and manipulate events to come. He may have been the greatest precognitive force user of his era, and perhaps of any. In fact, his powers were so impressive that the Emperor believed that one day, given enough time, he would unlock the secret to perfectly predict the future without any room for doubt. So, no possible futures, but only the one that would eventually transpire. Given that his overconfidence kept him from seeing Vader's betrayal on the second Death Star, this belief that the Dark Lord could have achieved the perfect vision could be dismissed as just the galactic tyrant's arrogance and narcissism. However, given how powerful he was and his unparalleled knowledge of the dark side, if there was ever going to be one being in the galaxy that could attain this ability, it would have been Darth Sidious. Number 10. After his death, Palpatine became a revered figure. 30 years after the Battle of Endor, after Episode 6, the First Order emerged as a new, powerful, militant establishment that emulated the structure and methodology of the old Galactic Empire. But why were they able to find so much acceptance in a galaxy that had lived under the Empire's boot heel for two decades? The peaceful galaxy that the New Republic tried to bring about after they became an official galactic government soon began to fall to the wayside as bureaucracy and gridlock pulled all Senate progress to a grind. Like the old Republic that they emulated, the New Republic was becoming just as corrupt and short-sighted. Imperial sympathizers blamed the problems and weaknesses plaguing the New Republic on the institution's lack of a strong centralized government like the Empire had. The more the New Republic proved its inefficiency, the more nostalgic certain corners of the galaxy grew for the old Imperial days and, in particular, for the man who led it. Though Darth Vader remained a notorious hated figure throughout most worlds, a number of these centrists considered the late Emperor to have been a wise, if flawed, leader. Someone who never let political squabbles prevent him from taking action. It was these sentiments for the old days and the growing imperial influence in their government that caused the New Republic to sign a non-aggression treaty with the First Order when they first emerged from the Unknown Regions. Instead of recognizing the threat they posed immediately and taking direct action, the New Republic's political delinquency left them vulnerable and unprepared for the Starkiller base attack on their capital planet of Hosnian Prime. And no, for those of you who may have thought that it's Coruscant that was one of the planets to blow up in A Force Awakens, it wasn't. Now, as we know from the Rise of Skywalker trailer, the Emperor isn't dead. Perhaps the film will shed some more light on what happened in the galaxy between the original trilogy and the new Disney Star Wars films. It's possible that Palpatine was orchestrating events behind the scenes that kept the New Republic weak and ineffective, as he amassed a secret armada to help him once again bring the galaxy into the Galactic Empire. And if he should succeed, many beings would welcome his return. I hope you guys enjoyed this video. There are many other interesting tidbits and facts about Palpatine to know about, which I've covered in other videos as well, such as one from Legends where he completely transferred his essence into different beings and different clones of himself to prolong his life. However, of course, that was a super far-fetched story. It happened in the Dark Empire comics, which you may or may not have heard me talk about before, or you may know about yourself. He also was so powerful that he could create wormholes in space. Thanks so much for watching this video. I'll see you in the next one, and until then,